let's, let's turn our Bibles to the gospel according to Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read from verses from 21 through 24 and again 35 to 43. Mark chapter 5 verse 21. Mark chapter 5 verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he felt at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him, and thronged him. Now let's go to verse 35. So in between we see the woman with the issue of blood coming and touching the hem of garment of Jesus and getting healed. Now verse 35, the story continues. While he was still speaking, while Jesus was still speaking to Jairus, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when he heard, put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Gumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to eat. So we come across an instance or incident that took place as Jesus was ministering. Jesus was ministering to that family of the leader of the synagogue by name Jairus. And his daughter was severely sick. And he wanted Jesus to come and revive his daughter. So this morning, I'm going to title my sermon as, Revive the Sleeping Child. Can you tell that with me? Revive the Sleeping Child. You know, Jairus realized that his daughter is going to die very soon. Because, you know, he comes with so much of desperation and he came to Jesus and he asked Jesus, Lord, can you come? My child is dying. My daughter is dying. J Jairus came to Jesus seeking for help. But you know what? Jesus delayed because in between the woman with the issue of blood came. And Jesus got delayed there. You know, her daughter, his daughter died. And someone came running to tell the news. 
saying, do not trouble the teacher because the daughter is already dead. There is no point in Jesus coming to your house now. But Jesus told the father, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And Bible says, Jesus took only a handful of Peter, people. Who are they? Peter, John, and James. Jesus took only these three. And Jesus took these three. And Jesus was going to the house of Jairus. And Jesus came and saw those who were weeping and wailing. And Jesus threw everybody out. And Jesus said, the child is not dead. The child is sleeping. Child is not dead, but the child is sleeping. And Jesus put everybody outside the house. And Jesus took the child by his hand and said, Talitha me." That means, little girl, I say to you, arise. The girl arose and walked. And she was 12 years of age. And at the end of the scripture, what we read, Jesus is handing over the child to the parents and telling them, give something to her. To eat. Jesus was invited to the house of Jairus to revive a child who just died. You know, I compare the whole process of Jesus reviving the child, the dead child, with the revival that God is going to send upon this land. You know, Jesus came there to the house of Jairus to revive the child who just died. And I want to compare that incident to the revival that God is going to send upon the church. You know, Jairus was right there finding a great need of Jesus coming to his house. You know, at times there is a great need felt by our lives. You know, at times we need so much of blessings for our living on this earth. At times we do not know what to do, where to do, when to do things, how to do. We need some help. We need some help. And here we see Jairus who was in great need and he came running to Jesus. And this morning, you know, do you know that there are millions of people they are praying for revival? Yes. Yes. Do you know? There are people praying for Revival. There are people praying for revival in Canada, in the United States, and all across the globe. They are praying for revival. And their name would not have been heard. They may be somewhere living in the jungle in their small hut, small house. And they may be aged 80, 82, 83, 85. They just kneel down and every day morning and they lift up their hands and cry out to God, Lord, send revival. They may not know what revival means. But you know, God puts that burden in some individuals and they are asked to pray for revival and they have been praying for revival. You know, revival is something very true. You know, even sometimes we, we don't believe in you know, the manifestation of God because we, don't, we find it difficult to whether it's differentiated, whether it is God or it is some other spirit. But revival is something which is very true, very evident. And when revival comes, the whole thing is going to change. You know, we are living in a lost time. Bible says, you know, God said, I'm going to send a revival among people. I'm going to send a revival in this land. And when the revival comes, people of God will turn to God and they will come to Jesus. So there is a great need for revival. Can you say that with me? Need for revival? There is a great need for revival. 
You know, the child, that's why I, I titled this message as, you know, Revive the Sleeping Child. You know, there is a sleeping child within us. And God wants us to revive that sleeping child that is within us. Listen to me. Jairus realized that there is only little time left out for him before the girl dies. And that's the reason Jairus came running to Jesus. And he came running to Jesus because he knew my child has to be revived. You know, who wants to see a child who is dying? None of us. None of us. And I, I'm sure that Jairus' heart was that. He did not want to see his, his child dying in front of his eyes. So he came running to Jesus. So there was a great need in his heart. And Jairus had a great desire that Jesus will come to revive his child. So he came to Jesus. Jesus, can you come? Because my child is dying. You know, revival is needed for someone who was alive, but now losing his life or her life. Listen to these words carefully. Revival is needed for someone who was alive, but now slowly losing his life or her life. The original meaning of revival is this, is to live again. Can you say live again? Live again. It also means to revive again a life which has almost expired, which is almost end. Reviving that life again. Revival also means the rekindle the flame which was about to be extinguished. Rekindle that flame. You know, some of us, you know, use our, 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 our you know, firewoods. And when the firewood is, the fire is about to die, you know, we fan the flame so that the fire will be rekindled. That's what revival exactly means. So we can't think of a revival of a thing which never lived before. Can you expect a revival of a stone? Yes? No? Can you expect a revival of a stone? Yes? Can you all stand for a moment? It's time to stand and praise God in the middle of the service. Can we all expect a stone to live? A stone to revive? No, so we cannot expect a stone to revive. So revival is only for the living things. Revival is only for the living things. Those who have no spiritual life. You know, who are the dead? Please be seated. So who are, who are the dead people in this world? Can you name one person who is dead? Lazarus. Lazarus was dead and Jesus brought him to life. Can you name one person who is spiritually dead? My question was wrong. Sorry? People in the world. Little more precise. My God. No. <laughs> Those who are not in Christ. Right? That's the right answer. Those who are not in Christ, that means those who do not have life, Jesus, they don't have life. Yes? Sure? Okay. So those who are not, don't have Jesus, they don't have life. They are spiritually dead. We are with, you are with me? So those who have no spiritual life cannot be revived. 
Only those who will have life and those who are about to die, they can be revived. Those who, cannot, those who do not have life, they cannot be re- ill revived. That means people in this world, as you said, people do not have Christ. They don't have life. So revival is for whom? Good. For us. God cannot revive somebody they don't have life. But God can revive somebody who has life. So it is you and me. It is the church. So the world doesn't need revival, but what needs revival? The church. The church needs revival because only the church can live. The only the church can live. So we can't think of a revival of a thing which never lived before. Now it is very clear that the term revival can only be applied to a living soul or to that which once lived. The little girl, she just lived, but she just died. But she once lived. She can be revived. She can be revived. That's where Jesus was ministering to her. So revival is for the believers. Because unbelievers, they never experienced life. No. They never experienced life. But the moment they give their life to Jesus, they experience life. You know, someone who is drowning into a lake has been pulled out with great effort. And just, you know, the, the, the person is laid on the ground. And somebody like you, some nurses there, you know, somebody who learned in you know, the first aids and all those kind of things, they were just doing first aid. And slowly that person opens his eyes, starts speaking, turning around here and there, and just trying to get up. So we would say that person has just revived. You know, that's what revival means. The person has just revived a dying man who is in the sick bed. You know, suddenly the flames of unusual brightness comes upon his face. He was about to die, but you know, suddenly he started speaking. And we would say, the sick person has revived. You know, that's what is revival. Let's turn and read a couple of scriptures. Sons of Korah. You know, they have written a couple of psalms. Very beautiful psalm. Very blessed psalms. Sons of Korah, they say in Psalm 85 verse 6, they are crying out to God in Psalm 85 verse 6, Will you not revive us again? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? You know, when the church loses the joy of the Lord, when they are about to lose their lives. You know, church loses the joy of the Lord when the church is about to die. But this morning, we want to make this prayer according to Psalm 85, 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? We need to rejoice in the Lord. The prophet Habakkuk, he cries out to the Lord in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2. He says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and I was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. The prophet is crying out to God, Lord, revive your work, Lord, in the midst of the year, O God. The psalmist Asaph, he cries out to God in Psalm 80 verse 18. And this is what he says. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us. And we will call upon your name. You know, revival is something that we need. Revival is something that we long for. How do we know that we need revival? I'll give an idea. How do we know that we need revival? For example, if we are dull in our spiritual walk with the Lord... We need revival. 
If you are not able to pray, if you are not able to read the word of God, if you are not able to meditate the word of God, listen to me, I'm talking to you, we need revival. If you are not able to concentrate on the things of God, we need revival. If you are losing interest in God, you know, sometimes we lose interest in God. We lose interest in the work of God. We need revival. If you don't feel the joy in your Christian life, we need revival. Sometimes we'll follow God because, because of the burden, because with the heavy heart. I need to do this. I'm expected to do this. You know, it happens to me and you. We follow God with the burden. And if you're not able to follow God, if you don't build our Christian lives with joy, that means we need revival. If at times, you know, Christ becomes a burden for us, then we need revival. The Spirit of God was looking at the church. The church name is the church of Laodicea. We read that in the book of Revelation chapter 3. That Laodicean church is the last time church, end time church. You know, John is writing about our church. As the Spirit of God looks from above into our church, that means into the heart of the believers of the church, in Revelation chapter 3 verse 16, God says, So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Can you read that scripture with me, Revelation 3.16? So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my Who says this? Not John, God. God Almighty, speaking through John, writing through John, speaking through the Spirit of God. And John hears this as the Lord God looks into the church of end time church. And God says, you are not like the previous churches. You are not like the church of Ephesus. You are not like the church of Smyrna. You are not like some other church. But you are a church, you are lukewarmers. What does it mean, lukewarmers? They neither cold nor hot. If you give one pat in this side, they'll just go this side. And give one pat here, they'll just come here. Brother, you come to church, they will come to church. And next day morning, you don't call them next Sunday morning, right? And they don't come to church. Lukewarmers. And you send a text message every time. What's happening with you? I have not seen you in a long time in the church. What's happening with you? Somebody's laughing. Right? God looks at me and tells me, you are a lukewarmer. You need some motivation. You need some people to push you behind. Otherwise, you don't do your job. Lukewarmers. We are neither cold. We are nor hot. We can't be kept in the freezer. We can't be kept in the oven. Neither cold, nor hot. And God looks at the church and God says, I will give you a chance. I will give you one more chance to revive yourself. They thought the daughter is dead. The dead body is kept over there. They thought everything is gone, but Jesus coming there and Jesus looking at the child and Jesus said, she's not dead, she's asleep. You know, God looks at our lives this morning and tells us, my son, my daughter, you need a revival. Not people living outside, but the church needs a revival. And second thing, 
moment Jesus heard the bad news of Jairus' daughter being dead, Jesus looked at Jairus. You know, I'm sure Jairus would have cried. Jairus is standing there waiting for Jesus to come. But Jesus was dealing with the woman with the issue of blood. And Jesus is delaying his coming to Jairus' house. And suddenly Jairus got a news saying then, your daughter is dead. Jairus would have screamed. And Jesus looked at Jairus and said, do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe. You know, death brings fear. Death certainly brings fear. Fear of separation. Spiritual death brings fear to people of this world. Those who do not have Christ. Spiritual death brings fear because they think about the eternal separation from Lord God. But Jesus was telling Jairus, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I will revive your daughter. But what you need to do? You need to believe. Can you say that out loud? You need to believe. You know, God wants us to believe for a revival in our lives. You know, God wants us to believe for a revival. You know, we are not just going to be the same forever. God is going to revive us. God is going to use us. God is going to strengthen us. You know, because God is asking us to believe for a revival. You know, this teaching may be something new for you. But this morning, God wants you to hear this. God wants you to believe for a revival. The reason why I'm able to believe for a revival, I turn back the past, the history of revival. I can't go through all details, but I quickly let you know. Bible records periods of revivals in the time of kings. One king who was following God and the people were coming and serving God. And the other king was a wicked king and people were going away from God. Bible records revival in the Old Testament. And history records revival. Such revivals that occurred in different parts of the world in the 17th, 18th, and 19th century. There were great revival across the land. History records that the first great awakening, that was a huge wave of a religious enthusiasm among the Protestant Christians that swept across the you know, American colonies in the year 1730. Remember those years, 1730 and 1740s, there was a great revival in the American settlers, among the American settlers. First great awakening. The second great awakening was the second great religious revival in the United States during 1800 and 1830. You remember Reverend Charles Finney? He was part of the revival. That man of God was part of the revival from 1792 to 1875. He was a key leader of that revival, the second great awakening. The third great awakening began in the year 1857. You know, this is interesting. I'm not able to go into very detail. I will do that sometime later. The third, third revival, great revival began in the year 1857. It onwards, it started where? In Canada. In Canada, in the year 1857. And that spread out throughout the world, including America and Australia. Significant names, some of the names that we know out of the revival. D.L. Moody, Sankey, William Booth, Catherine Booth, founders of Salvation Army. They, are, they were all the leaders in that revival. Charles Spurgeon, James Cohey. And Hudson Taylor, who went to us, sorry, sorry, who went to China, who found the China Inland Mission in China. They were part of this great third awakening. 
And let's talk about the recent revival, in the revival in the 20th century. The Welsh revival that took place in Wales. The Welsh revival began in the year 1904 under the leadership of Ewan Roberts. You would have heard his name, Ewan Roberts. The revival, it lasted you know, close to an year, but during that one year when the revival lasted, more than 100,000 souls got saved during that revival. 1904. Two years later, 1906, Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles. Remember? The birth of Pentecostalism. 1906. In the Azusa Street Revival and the modern, uh, or the, sorry, the latest charismatic movement began 1906 out of the revival that took place in California. You know, God wants us to believe for a revival because when we turn back the history, God sent revival to this land for many times. As Jairus' daughter was dead, Jesus was asking Jairus to believe that I am going to revive your daughter. You need to believe. You know, God wants us to believe that he is going to send the revival into this land. And I was just reading a little bit about the revival that took place that began from Canada. One area that revival started was Cape Britain. In the year 1853, there was a man of God. There was a huge movement. They were having huge prayer meetings in the open ground in 1853. They expected, I'm not going into the details, but they expected close to 2,000 people to come to Cape Britain. That, 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 that township is known as uh, Waikahoma. Probably you may be aware of that. That township, somewhere in the middle, just very down, uh, far, far from Sydney. So there are 2,000 people expected. They made huge arrangements for food, for seating, because they need to come, you know, transport through houses. So, you know, there was a huge meeting, you know, meeting was organized and, you know, places were prepared, get, got ready, and volunteers and all the necessities, food, because it's a one-week meeting. They need to feed all 2,000. And suddenly the revival took place there. The day three, day four, the 2,000 has become 5,000. Can you imagine 1853, 5,000 people getting together? It's a history. We have the records in Cape Britain. They don't know what to do for food. And the history says God provided food. And there was a church. And in front of the church, third day morning, people were wondering what to do. How do we feed these 5,000 people? There were baskets of bread. Third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. Baskets of bread every day morning. They don't know who gave that bread. And 5,000 people gave their life to Jesus. Amen. Because we need to believe today because history, and I'll talk about more, you have more details on this. I'll talk about that sometime later. You know, Jairus was asked to believe and God is asking the church to believe. You need to believe and you need to be part of that great revival that's going to, I'm going to send to this land. Number three, Jairus was expecting Jesus to come. But Jesus was willing to permit only three people. Who are they? Peter, James and John. Jesus said, Peter, James and John, follow me. I'm going to the house of the ruler. The rest are all, you just stay there. The rest are all, just stay there. The third aspect of revival is, 
you and I need to be part of this revival. We want to be part of this revival. You know, God handpicks people for the revival. God doesn't take everybody. God handpicks the people for revival. You know, it is one thing to pray for revival, one thing to long for revival, but it is certainly other, another thing to be part of the revival. And I believe God wants this church to be part of the revival because God is putting that thirst and that fire in some of your hearts, I believe. Jesus always had an inner circle of people. Inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he used to take them everywhere. And God wants us to believe. And God wants us to, you know, move forward. And God doesn't want us to sit and watch others performing. But instead, God wants us to be part of the revival. Can you say that with me? I want to be part of the revival. Amen. How do we get involved with the revival? You know, revival requires tremendous amount of preparation. Certainly in terms of prayer, but not just only prayer. Revival requires tremendous amount of preparation. The number one way to get involved in the great awakening or the revival is to be part of the prayer move of God. Amen. You know, God expects us to be part of the prayer move. You know, there may be different types of prayer. Personal prayer, group prayers. As a family, you may be praying. As a church, we may be praying. Corporate prayer. But you know what? God puts that burden for prayer in some of you. I don't know on whom. I don't know how many of you are feeling that. But God puts that burden for prayer in some of your lives. And God may be burdening you to pray for hours long. God may be burdening you to pray for, you know, not just your own blessing. But God may be burdening you to pray for something else. For God's will to be accomplished in this world. For God's purposes and plan. The ministry, the ministers of God, the mighty move of God. You know, God may put that burden in your heart. God wants us to be part of that prayer move. Number one way. Number two. If you turn back to the old revivals. Every revival involved a great amount of preaching. At the end of the preaching, we see people committing their life to Jesus. Second way to get involved in the revival is by preaching. By preaching the word of God. We need more people to stand up and preach the word of God. We need more people to get involved in the preaching ministry. There are thousands of people they gave their heart because God used people to stand up and preach the word of God boldly. And I believe God has called us to do that. And I believe God, not only me, not only some of us, God put that call upon every one of us. And we need to step out when there is an opportunity. We need to step out to share the word of God, to preach the word of God. Number three way to get involved in this great awakening is by facilitating or administering the revival. By supporting the move of God. You know, sometimes we support the move of God by our giving. Sometimes, you know, we provide food, shelter, water, and transportation. You know, many other things when the revival takes. You know, what one thing we need to believe? When God sends a revival, the place that we stand today may not be enough. We sit here may not be enough. Even bigger places may not be enough. We may not find place. And we need all of our support. We need all of us get to get involved, jump into that part of, and to become part of the revival. So number three aspect, like Peter, James, and John, God wants us to be part of the revival finally. We want to see the impact of the revival. When Jesus said, this child is not dead, 
Everyone kind of ridiculed him. Everyone just mocked at him. Jesus said, this child is sleeping. And he lifted her by hand, saying, Talitakmi. Bible says, it is, little child, arise. And Bible says in verse 42, Mark chapter 5, immediately the girl arose and walked. Jesus came there to revive that child. And the moment Jesus took her by hand, Bible says, the girl arose and walked. For she was 12 years of age. And what happened? And they were overcome with great amazement. We are talking about the impact of the revival. You know, when revival happens, when Jesus revived the child, you know, not only she got revived, but there was a great amazement for everybody looking at the revival. Somebody who was dead, but now she is back again alive. You know, when church is revived, when the revival happens to the people of God, because as I said, revival can happen to only to those who have life. So when revival happens to the people of God, it flows out into the community. It flows out into the community and people will start amazed. People will start amazing of what God is doing because that's the time they will start seeing signs and wonders. When God sends the revival to the church, you know, signs and wonders will not happen in this, inside the four walls. It will happen where the need is. The need is outside the wall. That's where signs and wonders will happen. And but for the church to be equipped, God has to revive the church. God has to send revival to the church. So when the church is revived, when the church, the revival hits the people of God, it overflows into the community. And we are going to see the change that is happening. And people will be amazed to see what God is doing through these people. And people who rejected God, they will see God only when such miracles happen. And if that has to happen, today God has to revive the church. You know, if you turn back again the past revivals and see what really happened, when God revived the churches, when God sent revival to the world, what happened? There was a great impact reported many times. You know, the history says there was a great deep repentance People were just standing in queue and they were crying because of their sins. They were just grieving and they were in tears when revival happens to the people of God. Thousands and thousands of people get added to the church. And many more manifestations of the Holy Spirit. People fainting in the Holy Spirit. Groaning in prayer. Deep cry. A loud cry. Many things happen to people and there's a supernatural blessings. In terms of blind seeing and the lame walking and the deaf hearing and even the dead rising. When those things happen, when we are revived. And we are, as we see supernatural provision, God provides. And when such miraculous things happen, people are going to believe in God. We talked about the impact of revival. So there was a need for revival in the life of Jairus. And Jesus asked him to believe for revival. And Jesus took Peter, John, and James to be part of the revival. And there was a great impact of the revival. The child came to life. And also people came to Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning, I believe what God wants this church to know is, God wants us to be part of the revival. Amen. Shall we close our eyes this morning?